Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. And for people out there who don't really know Winnie and probably, uh, you know, hopefully getting to know a little bit more compassion as listening to this side of things, I compared John very much to Ian Chappell as a leader, and that uh, Winnie is the he's the also the leader. Of, he always knows everything what's still going on at the parade. John still knows everything. The care and compassion he has for everyone. Someone falls falls down the crack. One of Winnie's favourite sayings, or there's a player set, whatever. Winnie's even from Perth. He's contacting us. Hey, blah blah blah. Can you <laughs> go and do that? And yeah, now unique leadership in uh, Jonathan Francis Winnie. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome, Welcome to the Game On. And my name's Pete. I'm joined once again by Malcolm. Mate, last week, Jonathan Wynn. What a fantastic story about how he just is continually giving back to the Nord Football Club. I think people there from listening from that, there's been a lot of really good feedback around the traps. They can probably understand why Winnie was my first footy hero. It's probably perfectly nails and, it. As far and, as the as inter- and the interview was fantastic. We, yeah. we got great insight into not only his career, but what he's been doing since. And, wow, I can see why he's your, your number one man, mate. Around the Grounds. Today we're going to have a little bit of a look at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, the AFLW season is coming to uh, a, a big end and some tennis. But uh, to kick off today, mate, cricket. Yeah, the Adelaide Strikers are currently playing in a pretty evenly poised uh, final tonight where Brisbane batted first, 154. The Strikers a couple of minutes ago, two for 43 off eight. But McGrath is out, so you probably... I've got to be honest, you're probably backing Brisbane at that stage. But, yeah, evenly poised. We need Laura a Wolfheart to go on with it and actually get a big score. Um, look, there's been a shield game in Adelaide this week, Pete. Yep. 
Now, I want to have a real crack at the SACA out of this. The SACA have made a decision. They are charging people $10 to get in, supposedly to give better value to the membership. There were 38 people at Adelaide Oval yesterday. Wasn't exactly a hard job to count everyone. Yep. Now, that is costing them money. Now, I know of a quite a number of pensioners who are now no longer going because it's not only the $10 to get in, it's $17 for the car park. Uh, yep. And to my knowledge, I've spoken to people from three different states at various Shield Games. We're the only state charging. I'd love the SACA to actually just be honest and come and go, no, the move hasn't worked. It's back to free admission. We talked about that in a few a few episodes oh. ago about the same scenario. I'm sure there would have been some sort of complaint uh, put in by now uh, that they might be listening to that, uh, you know, not only we're bringing up, but I'm sure there's other people jumping up and down about it as well. Sporting an organisation to actually admit they've made a mistake doesn't happen too often. No, but they can easily fix it. Oh, I mean, that's, of course they can. That, that, that's the, the thing. And if they can get a few more people there, well, then it's more beneficial for everybody involved. I will say the car park is the Adelaide City Council. Yep. So that, that's, and I will say the great man, Les Burdett, was ropeable when that happened years ago. Yep. Um, so that's not their fault, but let's do it. So you've paid to get in, keep your parking ticket as well. That includes entrance. Yep. You know, there's got, it's just... It's ridiculous. There are other ways of doing yeah. it for sure. Uh, obviously, the uh, BBL team, we're hoping we're, we're going to get off to a good start, but, you know, a little bit tight. Uh, the WBBL. Oh, look, uh, Megan shoot the other night, 6 for 19 versus Cindy Thunder to get us to the second spot in the home final. Yes. Um, and I admit, I did go, I went there just briefly. Very unusual to go to a cricket game for four overs yeah. and then leave um, tonight before we, we've done the show. Yes. Um Great numbers there. There was about over a 1,000 people there, and I did actually make the comment to Tim Nielsen. Gee, a few more people in the Shield game. Yeah, so. Uh, growing, growing, growing in popularity, yeah. the WBBL, yeah. and, and it's fantastic that they're getting a good crowd. And, you know, 1,000 people at Karen Rolton Oval. It was a great atmosphere. It's a great atmosphere. Exactly right. Pete, AFL, Tasmanians bid to enter the competition. Yeah. Of course, we've got the draft in a week. We do. Uh, mate, uh, Tasmania have taken another step closer. They've got an in-principle agreement, which has been obviously plastered all over the news. I think it's great for the competition that Tasmania are getting a team. Uh, I suppose we'd like to see the NT get one, and then we've got a truly national competition going. But it's great that they've got an in-principle agreement that it's going to happen. Yeah, certainly some general, obviously, progression. I admit I, I'm... I would much rather have seen a side relocate. And I, I understand where Tasmania said, no, we want our own side. But let's also remember, South Melbourne actually relocated to Sydney. Does anyone actually remember that that's South Melbourne? Yeah. It's Sydney now. Yeah. I still think that would have happened in time. It's not a true national competition with 10 sides in Victoria. Yep. It's reality. It's an extended VFL. VFL, yep. Look, I think Tasmania will be a great addition. And, and does that open up ideas for fixturing? Um, you know, with, say, 19, 20 teams, does that mean we go to a almost like a conference-style I think we're getting towards that stage, yeah. well and truly. So we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. It would even things up. Say you have five in a in a group, you play each other twice, a home and away, and then a game crossover, crossover at some stage, and then obviously finals as well, which I think would be fantastic as well. And then the best youngsters, mate, coming up for the national draft. Um, you know, Adelaide have picked 46, 56 and 59. Uh Father-son. For... Yeah, so that's why they've gone far further back because they don't have to do that to get 
uh, young young uh, Jim Michael Ennis to get Max, uh, son, of, son of piano, who's already got a fair bit of mention earlier on he, from Marty Leslie. Yes. He, he certainly did. And uh, obviously uh, Matthias uh, Filippo, uh, are the Crows still a chance I mean, at this no, late stage? No, no, he's my understanding. I know they've been trying to throw things around, but no. Um, son of Sam, um, uh, Uncle, Uncle Peter, yep. so the big... Woody Grassland, West Torrens, Heartland. Tice is, is a confident kid, but he. Uh, I'm just glad to hear a kid who's actually just honest. No, yep. I'm the player that I'll, you know, yep. I'm going to back myself. And whatever club I end up at, I, I want to stay there. So, yeah. You know, which is which is really, really, really good as well. Across the road to Port Adelaide, uh, pick 33 and 60, no real surprises there. No, well, they've already done there effectively. Yeah. With the, they've done the trading this year and bought in, you know, Horn Francis and Rioli, so they've they've sort of done, they've done their homework done already. Yeah. Um, obviously, North Melbourne are going to feature prominently with two, three, twenty three, forty, and seventy. They've had some big swaps in the yep. last week or two as well. It's going to be a fascinating watch this draft period. Sorry, yeah. So they've traded a few things down because their last selection is going to be Boomy Har- Boomer Harvey's son. So there, so that qualifies under that system is way too complicated to try and understand, let alone explain. Yeah, so a few things there. It's normally me that me. Yeah, it was me, there, Pete. yeah, it was I'm me quite, tonight. I'm quite happy that it was you instead of me. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. Yeah, so obviously the draft coming up on November the 28th and 29th uh, should be an absolute cracker and we'll, uh, we'll report back um, on who gets picked up and, and go from there. Uh, mate, soccer, it's World Cup time. Yeah, I, I admit I find it, I found it a bit... Um, Bizarre the reaction to Australia losing four one to France. Like France, arguably the best side in the world, and we're way down. It wasn't an unexpected scoreline, but the way there's been some reaction, you, you know, let's be honest, it's France. It's sort of really not much different than say Norwood playing or Payneham playing Geelong. You know, in the difference there, so I. Four one, I don't think was a surprise scoreline whatsoever. Well, I didn't get up for the beginning of the game. I, I did flip it on um, as I was sort of getting ready for work, like most people. Um, you know, they were two one down, and I'm like, oh, you know, at sixty five minute mark, I think it was, and yeah. and obviously Goodwin, who we were only talking about with uh, Mary a few weeks ago, that saying, you know, we're hoping he gets into the squad, and he gets in, he scores a goal, and all of a sudden we're one nil up, and. Um, then 2-1 down, and I'm like, that's actually not a bad result. We yeah. might have broken even. Well, by the time I'd finished getting ready and was off to yeah. my first job, 4-1, and they're going absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Going, It's bad, bad call, bad decisions. Try to overpossess the ball. Um, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. And yeah, I, look, we're playing the reigning champions. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it's was. it been a way overreaction, personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mate, Adelaide United, uh, the women are playing at the moment. Obviously, the men are in a little bit of a pause worldwide, but the women yep. have got their season off to a good start. They yeah. won 1-0. Good start. You know, as we said, any South Australian sides out there. And look, South Australia today in the, in the, have won Div 1 and Div 2 in the veterans cricket. Yes. So uh, we will get one of the boys on probably hopefully next week, yep. I admit. I was with them earlier. I don't reckon they would have scrubbed up too well on radio by now. So yes. might have might have been a few expletives we'd had yes. to, blo- to block out. But no, absolutely fantastic for the uh, the women's team. And like I said, we will we'll get behind any team that's doing really really well at the moment and and uh, give them our full support. I do want to do a brief, uh, serious thing. Look, massive condolences, to, uh, Joe Richardson, Adelaide Uni Footy Club. 
legendary physio, been around for a long time, involved with the club for you know, 20, 25 plus years. Yeah, lost her battle to cancer last night. Fought it pretty hard for the last couple of years, and yeah, massively respected. And it's certainly been a yeah, a lot of messages flying around and condolences to the Richardson family and all the best. Absolutely, condolences from us as well, mate. Um, yeah, unfortunately, um, those things uh, are never easy, and uh, uh, we send out our, our gratitude to them as well. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to um, have a little bit of a look at the AFLW coming up after the break, mate. Has there ever been anything that has lightened up your day? Whether it was someone who complimented you or maybe you got a promotion at work, these all make you feel happiness. But if you're looking for more, more to lighten up your day, then you should book our mobile coffee service. We are always dedicated to one thing, service. We appeal to all sorts of people, from commuters on their way to work or our regular workplace coffee stops. And best of all, we visit you. Whether it's our top quality and aromatic coffee or our mouth-watering selection of cakes and food, there will always be something for you to enjoy. Servicing Adelaide's metro area. Why not book in a stop today? Find us on Facebook and send us a message. Tour Coffee and Catering. We deliver your daily caffeine fix. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Rugby, some great results this week. Yeah, the Rugby World Cup for the men's and the women's was played over in England at last, well, late last week. Australia defeats Samoa 30-10, to 10, the women's team 54-4. to 4. Uh, The Samoans almost got a hero's welcome uh, coming back home. You'd, you'd actually thought they'd won it if you were seeing the, the side-by-side cameras of the reactions of the teams. Uh, their fans absolutely loved it and, look, Australia was a little too dominant in the end, but... What I want to talk about was probably the safety of the ground. There was a, in the try area of, of each end, there was a metre and a half of synthetic grass tucked up against normal grass. Yeah, weird. We sort of take that in, you know, we question grounds where there's where synthetic grass comes into play, occasionally Absolutely. the test grounds and query that, but that was sort of another step up, step up in bizarreness. Well, you just, you just see players pulling back, yeah. you know, going to the line, they're not following through and trying to avoid it as much as possible. And there was a few occasions where almost the defender almost hands up and lets him through because he knows that if he hits him any harder, he's going to end up into the fence because it was so close. Crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Moving on, uh, AFLW, uh, grand final this weekend, uh, Melbourne and Brisbane. Yeah, it's gone to script, the expected script. Um, You know, Adelaide were were quite reasonable, um, look, I think probably it did show with Port coming in that they didn't get those talented youth, Ewings, and who won the Rising Star goes to Port, which would have been in Adelaide. So, yeah, look, that that's evened it up. Adelaide have been the dominant side. Yep, came in. Look, I wasn't. A, I'm not a fan of the Swatch seasons. I've been very uh, upfront about that. Yes. Um, so I can't be accused of holding back. Uh, yeah, bit of successful result overall. I, I think. You know, Adelaide have been around the mark. They probably showed losing those players that they did lose. They're still around the mark. Yeah. Um, obviously, Brisbane had it a little bit the year before, I think, with Gold Coast coming in. So, yeah. you know, it sort of came in peaks Wings and troughs. Yeah, yep. it's sort of done that way. Uh, Melbourne have been around the mark as well. Like you said, I think it has gone to script. 
you know, the, the ground conditions there also with a brand new ground up in Brisbane. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That Yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll, let's let's not make a prediction on it. Let's just wait and no, see. No, I mean, the facility looks fantastic. Yeah, Probably yeah. just needed another month or so. Yeah. But, hey, let, let's see how it goes. And hopefully, uh, you know, they've, they sold out in an hour or less than an hour. Um, yeah. And they're still trying to get more people in, which yeah. is fantastic for the game as well. Yeah. Four representatives in the All-Australian side. Look, overall, I think overall a pretty successful year. Port, probably a little disappointing they didn't get a couple more wins, but again, first year. Yep, still building. Yep. yep. Uh, I think they're doing a lot of the right things that you'd, you'd want for a, a brand new franchise to, yep. to the competition as well. Yeah, tennis, some, again, some huge well, results. The the women's last week uh, get through to the uh, the uh, Billie Jean Cup or the formerly uh, Fed Cup final. The boys have gone, you know what, uh, we're going to have a red-hot dip here as well and they uh, win two rubbers to to, to nil against uh, the Netherlands, uh, which means a semi final uh, against um, Croatia at this stage. Yeah, and so Jordan Thompson and Alex Dimener get the job done. Leighton's coach. Yeah, so I think it's all coming together really, really nicely. Uh, tougher opponents uh, in Croatia or Spain, but at this stage it looks like uh, Croatia. Uh, matches is played on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon or Friday night our time. Um, I think we're a fair chance, to be honest with you. Oh, look, it's just, at least it's progression. Look, it's not like the old Davis Cup where we played America. You know, I'm showing my age, you know, Newcomb, yep. Labor, et cetera. Yep. They were the great days. Yes. But this one, you know, it's, it's a different style. So it's probably, it's a little bit harder to follow. Yes. Like it's probably only sports tennis nuts are really yes. probably following it as it is. Well, it's gone. It's gone from the traditional home and away yeah, rubbers to a to a one central location, which is, I think, with the tour the way that it's designed, it's probably good to have everybody rather than jet back and here, jet packing back here, there, and yeah. everywhere. I sort of get that. I think you know you have the, all the players that are all in all in one area at one time. They can knock it over in a week, week and a half. You know, it's, I think it's. It's a good thing, but and look, I think it's probably just those older older ones amongst us who are probably just not used to it yet. Yep. So I've sort of dismissed it a bit, yep. not buying into it. So yeah, look, let's be honest. Australia ends up being being around the mark, and anything we do tend to follow it. So yep. yeah, and look again, another semi final for a Davis Cup. Yep. Uh, the the swings and roundabouts in tennis as well. You know, there's a lot of countries that used to dominate. Um, that are, are having their time out of the uh, the spotlight and, and some others are coming in as well. So we'll watch that one with interest and next week hopefully we're sitting here with a Davis Cup win under our belt. Yeah. We'll see how we go. All right, mate, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, coming up after the break, we've got Martin Leslie uh, from the Port Adelaide Footy Club but also from the Brisbane Bears. Uh, the interview is fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, hang around for it. Has there ever been anything that has lightened up your day? Whether it was someone who complimented you or maybe you got a promotion at work, these all make you feel happiness. But if you're looking for more, more to lighten up your day, then you should book our mobile coffee service. We are always dedicated to one thing, service. We appeal to all sorts of people, from commuters on their way to work or our regular workplace coffee stops. And best of all, we visit you. Whether it's our top quality and aromatic coffee or our mouth-watering selection of cakes and food, there will always be something for you to enjoy. Servicing Adelaide's metro area. Why not book in a stop today? Find us on Facebook and send us a message. Tour Coffee and Catering. We deliver your daily caffeine fix. 
Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. Welcome to Five Good Minutes in the Clubhouse today. Um, even though it is five minutes, we do go a little bit longer, but we have some very special guests and we, we love to hear them talk about their career. We might change the two uh, past players and past yes, legends, I reckon, yes, yes. over the next couple of weeks. But today's special guest, Martin Leslie, formerly from the Port Adelaide Footy Club, uh, heading up to the Brisbane Bears. Uh, welcome, Martin. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Welcome, Marty. So, traditional... Uh, Port Adelaide, growing up in the area, Semaphore, Largs Bay, etc. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, sort of grounded down down that way. Born at Semaphore, was born there at this uh, Lefevre Hospital, and um, and then um, we lived a year at Semaphore, and then we moved a long, long way away to Largs Bay, <laughs> and then another long, long way away to Largs North. So. Um, uh, uh, mum, mum passed away when I was sixteen. Uh, so, and my sisters were a bit older, and Dad and I decided to move to Alberton uh, because he was from Rosewater, at, um, which is next door. So, yeah, yeah so pretty much um, lived and breathed down there, guys. Yeah, for, uh, for the first twenty odd years. Yep. Adelaide heartland out there, that's for sure. You could have nearly walked with each move, uh, not having to worry about driving the, each move, Marty. <laughs> Well, he would have sort of whacked them on a bloody uh, all our stuff in a shopping trolley and yeah, down the road. <laughs> well, you're lucky yeah. at Port Adelaide, it didn't get pinched. Come on, yeah. <laughs> mate. Where did uh, where where did you play your junior footy? Obviously in that area, but which which was your home club? I start well. I uh, seven seven years old. I started playing uh, like football for Taparoo, which were based. At the North Haven Oval now, yeah, that's right. you guys know that. Mm-hmm. So Taparoo used to have that ground, and I used to live probably half a k away from there, if that, uh, in between that oval and probably um, uh, Fort Lawrence Police Academy. So I was down there at seven years old, and I promise you, uh, seven years old playing an under-11s, went down there, Taparoo, at the time, had four teams in one grade under Jeez. 11. So Port Adelaide at the time, there was about 14 teams in the comp uh, for, say, under 11s, and Taparu had four of them, which was uh, unbelievable. I didn't, you know, I didn't really take much notice at the time, but looking back was crazy. There were so many, so many kids down yeah, that way. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, well, at least you didn't and, have to travel uh, far to play. No, I, I didn't, unless we played at Ingle Farm or Paraka, because we used to play against yep. them guys back in those days. And um, I reckon I got two kicks in the first year I played. And I promise you that's, uh, you know, I remember going off the ground and saying I got a kick and um, thinking I was pretty happy and, you know, uh, and that's the truth because uh, the kids were three three years older, maybe four years older, and it just pushed me out of the way. Oh, that's um, a huge difference at that as a little kid then, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. so I uh, ended up only playing one year then and my next-door neighbour wanted to go to Ethelton and uh, so I thought, well, well, I can't get a kick at Taparoo. We might have another go, go there. So I uh, went to Ethelton in 1971 when I was about eight 
um, so I'm born late in the year, and um, uh, yeah, I end up sort of, you know, after a couple of years, won a couple of association awards out there, and my my rivals were Bruce Abernathy, who played for Wingfield, then Rosewater and Rossi Aegis, and yeah. um, uh, a few of those guys. So Rossi played for Rosies, and I reckon um, Bruce was playing for Wingfield, then went to Rosewater. So. Yeah, we sort of basically basically grew up together. Played against um, uh, Tony Antrobus, David yep. Robertson. They were both Ingle Farm, so yes. they're all we're all the sort of same same era. Uh, yeah, so it was great memories, really. You know, it was fantastic back in those days. There were so many so many teams to play against, and if you if you look for those sides now. Uh, the Mount Carmels were there. That was part of Rosewater, but you know uh, they were a team. And Summerford Park, they're no longer. Ethelton, my old team, no longer. Uh, gee, there's, um, you know, obviously as the demographics change and population, um, yeah. probably about half of those teams are not around anymore, or even more, I'd say. And so, from your junior days, uh, progressing obviously to Port Adelaide. 17s, 19s, and then making your league debut in 81? Yeah. yeah. Memories um, of your league debut? Not great. Um, I was basically taught, you know, if I'm playing back lines, and Dad used to say this to me, like, well, if he doesn't get a kick, son, and you only get one or whatever, you've done your job. So uh, I was a little bit of a stickler to that when I was um, – Younger, my first A-grade game was against Westies at Richmond Oval. And uh, I stood, uh, being the Pucci, uh, Greg Phillips, being sent half back, Tony Giles on the flank, maybe a Peter Hoffner on the other side, yeah. Ivan Eckerman, um, Trevor Sorrell, I reckon, yes. uh, was full back then. Um, yeah, uh, I uh, stood Dirk DeJong and Dexter Kennedy. You're giving away a bit of height there. Yeah, well, Dexter was pretty cool, mate, because he uh, he's a sort of a he's a mate of mine. He played with uh, Port Adelaide, and yeah, he looked after me, mate. He was <laughs> good bloke. Good bloke, <laughs> Dexter, pretty laid back. A lovely man, lovely man. So uh, probably only troubled the scoreboard for touches about six or seven times that day. But um, I just learned a lot from from the guys I played with, uh, you know, especially. Um, Greg Phillips just watched him because I was end up being a centre back myself yeah. for a while, but just sort of watched how he read the play. Uh, Greg Phillips was a great reader of the play. He could could work out that he'd always stand his man, like he'd sometimes be five or ten metres away from his man, and I'm going, how come he keeps on getting the ball all the time? Oh, so uh, he was a very good reader of the play. Tony Giles was uh, exceptional, sort of um, hard man, you know, yes. straight at it. Not a lot of skill, but straight through. Ivan Eckerman, very much the same. And and obviously playing with Russell Ebert and Brian Cunningham and being coached by John Cale. Uh, well, you know, like you, for the three people I've just said, you know, if you want to look to people who, you, you know, you want to learn off pretty much just by, by watching them, watching what they do, uh, was um, just a great learning experience. You know, you you know, oh, look, Greg I never Phillips. really had to ask a lot of questions, guys. I never, I didn't yeah. really have to ask too many questions. Of, what do I do here? I used to, I used to just watch, watch people. And the way, say Russell and Brian, who were Bucky, who were um, playing at the time, 
the way they looked after their injuries, you know, the way they did this and that, and the professionalism just off the field in the training track, like, you know, having ice and doing the right thing. And then John Cale, the way um, the way he coached and, and how professional they were. So it was, you didn't realise it at the time, but looking back, it was like, a you know, it was like going to school, like the footy school, really. So, yeah, oh, uh, great memories. Some of the absolute greats, like Greg <laughs> Phillips. Greg Phillips is the best reader of the of a ball I've seen. You know, he he's my best ever centre half back. And look, Bucky Cunningham, totally unique. He's the only player in footy history where he'd kick for goal, depending on which foot on where he was on the ground. You know, no one's ever done that since as, as a set shot. He was just in, he was a freak. There's people out there just don't realise. He he's one of the all time greats as well. What an apprenticeship! Oh. <laughs> well, you know, you did right when um, you play. You know, you played with Bucky. He was such a. <laughs> he was my teacher at Taparoo High for a of couple course, of years. Yes. Well, all the girls used to pervert his bum. You know, all the fourteen year old girls. <laughs> all they were, all they do, they they didn't learn a thing. They used to pervert his bum. Yeah, so. Um, uh, you know, I didn't really understand that at the time, but you know, they thought it was all right. Um, but Bucky, um, just a lovely guy, a gentleman, and um, uh, it was as courageous as they came. So, uh, you know, it was just a, you know, again, <laughs> say those three names, um, or yeah. four Greg Phillips, John Carl, Bucky Cunningham, Russell Levitt. You know, it's uh, pretty easy to learn off, and I know, I know Malcolm that Norwood had, um, you know, their John Wins and, and Gary McIntoshes, and, and, and I don't worry, I respect those guys as well immensely. And um, so we're all very lucky. A oh, great era of footy. Now, second, so you played four games in 81, 82 established yourself and had a um, pretty unfortunate end of the year. And let's be honest, I will say as a Nord supporter, Greg Turbo, 82 second semi nowadays would have probably got six to eight games back then. Nothing. Go through that to memories of that day, mate. Yeah, uh, I thought about that the other day, Mac, when you uh, when you brought that up, um, because before then you know, I, had, I had a a broken sesamoid bone uh, had a, uh, that year, and also I I got another one the next year. So if you I don't know if you noticed, I only played two games in 1983. Yep. Uh, sesamoid bones is pretty much the bone that's about two inches below your big toe or an inch below your big toe, and so before the match of um, of eighty two, uh, they I had a couple of needles in the sesamoid bone just to deaden the foot, and because uh, it was uh, oh, and I, I don't know, it's when you've got a broken bone in your foot, it's just a bit of a struggle. Um, I'm not having a whinge here at all. I should, I I, to be honest, I should never have played, uh, but I um, end up remember having the needle in my foot. I couldn't feel it in the first quarter. So when you're actually running and you can't feel your foot, it was ridiculous, to be honest. And I'm, I look back and I'm sort of half in a way, I'm so glad I got knocked out. <laughs> I'm knocked over <laughs> by Greg Turbill just to get me off the field because I I really felt, um, you know, very ordinary and thinking, hell, what what am I doing out here? And um, so it wasn't it. The second semi wasn't a great one because I ended up at three-quarter time. I listened to the end of the game in hospital at Queen Elizabeth and because um, Greg gave me a cheekbone in. Yes. And so 
what they did, they actually cut my cheek to try and pull it out, you know, um, but they couldn't pull my cheekbone out. They they end up going up through my mouth and pushing it out from the inside. So, uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, as I said to Malcolm the other day, um, you know, and admired Greg Turbo, don't, don't worry, I, don't, I, I admire the Warriors and he was one of those, but he was a bit cheeky the next time he saw me about a year or so later and, you know, he looked up at me and because uh, he was only, what, five foot ten or whatever Greg was and, you know, he was a bit cheeky and I've gone, mm, okay. <laughs> six and, uh, six weeks. Uh, I think they might be a bit light <laughs> these days. Yeah. Well, I remember actually watching it on uh, the channel or whatever whatever it was the news on a Monday night, and I've just gone, wow. Now I've seen it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So so you remember it, um, you know. And anyway, that's that was football those days, and none of us were angels. And uh, you know, I still treat. You know, my foes in those days as uh, as good people. I treat people the way I'm, I'd like to be treated. Um, when it came to football, though, maybe different. Oh, we will <laughs> get on to the, the famous. We will what? get on to the famous Victorian one one in a minute. Let's go through. Look, 1984. It is one of the all-time great grand finals. But I will be honest. Uh, Nord were, and I know Neville was pleasantly surprised when you weren't when you. Uh, Weren't his opponent up, yeah. that day. Thoughts with that? Uh-huh. You know, I get it. Let's stick to your original side. You're the dominant centre half back, etc. But not lining up on Nord's key player when you were their port's best defender that that day. Thoughts there, mate? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I've, it's it's a hard one because I'm starting to think because I played centre half back all year that year. I don't think I. I'd moved from centre-half back one time in that year, if I remember. And then all of a sudden in a grand final, you know, you'd go to, um, you know, you'd mess up your team. Surely sometimes you'd think that, um, yeah, you know, Neville Roberts an absolute star. Jim Michael Annie wasn't a bad player either, mind you. Yeah, Piano, um, Piano was a real good player. Yep. His son, yep. son becomes an AFL player in a week's time. So, yeah. And who's who's got him? Probably the Crows. Yeah, he'll be a father's son. He played. He qualifies. Jim qualifies for his Nord games by three games for him to be a father son selection. So yeah, great, great. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you a little funny story there. Like I could start darting off. Um, I used to, you know, like, I'm not an arborist anymore. I still am, but I'm I'm not in that game. And I was up at Sejuna School doing an arborist report. Had to have a chat with the, the headmaster there, and it was Jim Michael Ennis. Yes. I hadn't seen him since, you know, basically because he probably retired around that time. Would that be right? Mid-80s, mid-80s uh, yes. I think. Yeah, mid-80s, yeah. yeah. His last game was at the reserves premiership side. I think it was 80, it's either 85 or 86. I don't think it was 86, but yes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I remember uh, sort of just uh, you know touching base in the in the you know in the office there at the school, and I've had to do a report on the on their trees for safety and for fire and all that sort of thing. And uh, so I ended up sort of Jim came out and I said, Jim Martin Leslie, he said, Oh, how are you going, Martin? You know, and you know, very decent chap as you know most of us are when we're off the field. And and his uh, assistant, his deputy, was coming along with us, and I said to her. 
and I can't remember her name now, I said, you know what? In a grand final, your headmaster squeezed me by the nuts. <laughs> and uh, he said, Jim, you didn't. <laughs> and, and we had a we had a bit of a to do there because he actually gave me a good squeeze and um, I gave I gave him a little bit of a clip you know, and uh, and that was really funny you know, that uh, the interaction between her and him you did not Jim surely you don't know, worry and, uh, that's stored in the memory bank when I next speak to Jim mate yes yeah no we'll do that uh, pass that one on when you see him because I did bring that up and. Uh, yeah, but no, Jim. Jim was a good player. Yeah, I, I don't look back as that was a, a bad decision. I, I, I think what we did probably uh, uh, there in that grand final was, and Maxie James was a great footballer of the seventies. He played his first game of the year of A grade yes, in in the grand, grand final. final. Uh, that wasn't fantastic, uh, in my opinion. Um, but uh, and we had. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Benny Harris was our fullback, and he done his ankle in the second semi. Yeah, but one other thing I think that um, we heard as well, I think that was pretty well done by Barmy. He came out with a little bit of oof and boof, and yeah. and we retaliated. And um, yeah, it's always the ones who retaliate. So it was a fairly fairly clever start with um, with the Tim Evans and yeah. and Craig Mum. That sort of stuff going on, and you know, I thought that we were always confident, and obviously Nord were as well to win the game. But you know, I just thought, uh, looking back, there was a lot of things that we did when it came to a bit of retaliation. That we, instead of actually just you know hitting the ball and not worrying about the man, yeah, that we probably could have learned a bit yeah. about. Yeah, there was no yeah. doubt Nord did suck. And, you know, that was uh, the late Ian Stasnowski's idea. It was him and Greg Nicholson came up with that idea yep. for Tim. And, yeah, it worked. And, yeah, we sacked Dwayne Russell in a couple of times. And, yeah, it was very much a case of the retaliators got caught. And, yeah. And I, and I think also one of the last times that uh, teams lined up in positions rather than uh, that was across the, the ring. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, what for the uh, – that's right, for the – National uh, Anthem. For the, the National Anthem, anthem yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, um, yeah. No, sorry, I just uh, Miguel's just walked out. She's just uh, having a bit of a chat, and I said, "Oh well, you've had too much of a chat tonight. You can, you know, was back in there." <laughs> <laughs> mate, mo- moving along, uh, nineteen eighty six, mate. What's best uh, and first? Yeah, the, the Bob McLean. Actually, Bob McLean. Yeah, no, no, and um, Greg Anderson still thinks that I ripped him off. So, uh, yeah, you can talk to Greg about that and just say, do you reckon you should have won the 86? Well, he won the, he won the McGarry. So, and, um, but I, I actually was up in Darwin playing football at the time because I just wanted to, you know, just to get away, have your holiday and then probably try and stay fit at the same time. Not that you, yeah, well, it's funny. I went to Darwin. I reckon I drank bloody 12 beers every day at least and then it came back four kilos lighter. So um, I came back and, uh, in the, you know, I like kept the end okay. of 80s. Yeah, end of 87, I was as fit as hell. Like, uh, because uh, you can't you go from Darwin with the air so thick and you sweat so much. And we did do a little bit of training up there. And uh, I came back and everyone said, you've just been off in a training camp. I said, well, yeah, yeah, okay. I've been off in a training camp. But it was a really good trip. And um, I was up there when I when they rang me, 
uh, and said that I won the vote, the one that on the last vote of the night. So I still, you know, when it comes up, I still say to Ando, yeah, it's bad luck about that, isn't it, old boy? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Let's go to the and night. Then, Let's go to the night where you became the hero of South Australia. Go for that game, mate. G'day, Dermy. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I don't know. It's been, you know, everyone, uh, to be honest, like, always says, oh, you know, I remember you, you know, Derek Burton, and, you know, and, and I just, yeah, well, it's sort of nice to be remembered for something, but sometimes you just go, well, I did play, you know, a few games as well, you know, but... You know, the whole thing about playing for Portland and about playing for South Australia was about you playing for your, you know, when you're playing for your club, yep. you're playing for your mates and you're playing for the supporters. So a lot of people don't, I don't know, people don't sort of say that too much. I used to play for my supporters because, you know what, I used to mix with them a lot. The good I was old usually days, up mate. The club. Yeah, exactly. The good old days. Yeah, we're really missing that these so. days, aren't we? Yep. Yeah, so I know uh, Gary McIntosh I've had, you know, quite a few beers back in the day with and uh, just a sort of guy that I'd love to play football with yep. every every time I played. Um, but he's the sort of guy who's the same. He's the same. He's, uh, you know, I used to play for the people who rolled up. And so uh, that was, the, you know, when you're sort of you're playing for your, for your state, well, then, uh, and she's on. Well, then she's on, you know. And the thing is that um, if someone's going to, you know, have a crack, well, you know, you're playing some half back, you know, so you, you know, you, you're, you're a pillar of, of defence. What are you going to do? Roll over or are you going to have a crack? And so that's that's what I I did, but I, I did it for my team, but I did it for my mates and I did it for the supporters and I did it for South Australia. And don't, if you've got that sort of going with you, surely uh, that's enough. Oh, look, I think it was I think it was great. I think Dermot Brereton, he just thought he was going to intimidate this guy, and this guy won't do anything. And uh, you've given him back more more than what, what he got, and I, I thought it was great that it put him back in his spot exactly where he should have been. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh... Uh, you know, and you know, I was lauded for all that and all that sort of stuff. But I remember one of my teammates, and I won't say his name, and I'm not, and I'm not, I don't disrespect this guy, but his name won't come up. And he said, "Oh, geez, I'm glad you were, you did that because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have done that." I've just gone, "Yeah, well, I'm glad I fucking stood him then." Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. um, yep. You know, that's that's because I would have liked. You know, if you're going to – if you put your body on the line, all you're asking is the other 17 or 18 blokes that's on the team do the same. You know, isn't isn't that all you ask for? Oh, I couldn't, you know, agree. couldn't agree more. Yep. It's playing for the correct reason, not the dollar, playing for the correct reason. Look, mate. Yeah, well, the dollar wasn't, the dollar wasn't so, so good at the time. So no, I didn't uh, really, a few drinks at the really end of the game and that's about me. it. Marty, I, yeah. do wanna, I do want to ask you about – a famous game. Look, obviously a game which a lot of different emotions, etc. But look, and then how, how Port Adelaide handled it immediately, how Foss and Jack handled it immediately afterwards and all that side. You know, Jack handled it to go to Foss's, but the, the Anthony Williams game. 
your, mem- oh, your memories. Okay, there. my memory of that. All right, you want my memory of the Anthony Williams game? So Anthony's one of the nicest people I ever met. So what happened back in the? That was in 1988. Okay. So back in the early in the early 1980s, late 70s, early 1980s, I grew up and played a lot of junior football with, with Stephen, especially. Yeah. Um, then played a lot of. I played 30 big grade games, 30, 40. I can't remember now. Um, uh, to try and break into that team of the 90, you know, the, the early 80s at Port Adelaide, won three in a row, and uh, spent a lot of time with Anthony and a lot of time with Stephen. And we used to go up to Murray River and do a lot of skiing together. Anthony was the sort of guy that if you had it, ever had a problem, uh, he'd say, "Just give me a call." Um, not that I, you know, needed to too much, but he was great with working on people's cars and that sort of stuff. I was living in Woodville, living in the same street at the time as um, same street as David Granger because uh, I was looking after my sister's house at Windsor Avenue, Woodville, for a year because they were uh, running a deli. And it was my last year in, in Adelaide. And David was a mate of mine. David was a you know misunderstood sort of person. But anyway, we won't go there. Uh, but I was down the Arndale Shopping Centre. And it was about lunchtime on a Friday, the day before the Norwood game. And I heard on the radio, because they had the news on, and I was just doing the shopping at Rondale. And I heard that the the guy had um, been squashed by a, a brick wall at Glenelg, Glenelg South yeah, or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. and uh, and I've you know I'm redoing his house, and I've just gone, hmm, you know, and I've just uh, just there's a flash, and then and then I just thought, nah, nah, couldn't have been. So anyway, um, I went home and uh, yeah, got a message. It was a message on my phone, which is the old days you had to press the button to listen to a message. Yeah, the answering machine, yeah. Yeah, and it was, um, yeah, my partner, and she said, you know, Anthony's gone, and has gone, wow. Do you know what? I reckon that day against Norwood, I had a pretty good year in 88. Uh, you know, as far as I remember, um, I think, you know, they, you know, they was, which was unusual for me because I used to give the umpires a fair bit of cracking on the field, but I was in the top five or six that they thought it would win the Brownlow and I, I knew I had no chance because I used to give the umpires a fair bit of crack. And, uh, you know, and, but the good part in those days, I used to give it back to me and, you know, we, and carry on, you know, yep. play on. Yep. Um, and uh, so that night, I didn't sleep. I just thought, what the I, – I just didn't sleep. I went to the Norwood game and, um, again, thought I was ready – I had an ordinary one. I stood Craig Kelly. Kelly, yeah. I reckon. I reckon uh, we used to swap. <laughs> I used to play some half back. This day I'm playing some half forward, but I was pretty ordinary. I reckon I'm just guessing. I'm not too many touches. Craig was a good player, and you know, like uh, I'd probably be way better off playing some half back, and he was some half forward. But anyway, uh, it was. I was fairly ordinary, but uh, we all went back to the the Williams house yeah. that night, and. Um, yeah, I've got to say, it was a bit of a dream. You know, it's um, something that you just go, you know, for, 
Yeah, no, no, some some guys, you know, well, George Fiarch, who made his career out of that game. Yes, you know? it changed his whole career, very much so. Late inclusion and was probably best on ground and in a back that started off the whole, uh, you know, him and Delaney, the the, the combination you know, from that day, you know, which is quite incredible. Yeah. Batman no, Robin. that's, that is, yeah, that is true. And, um, and Joe was in 88 and... Yeah. You know, George grew uh, so much. Uh, he was playing in 87 as well. He played in the final of two in 87. And uh, and George, I've often said, uh, he, um, you know, we'll go, you know, sorry about leaving Anthony, but one of the loveliest men you'd ever meet uh, in your life. Yep. But George, um, you yeah, know, George was the sort of guy that um, you admired the way he played. Sometimes I call him the biggest player in the house of all time. I mean, you know, like, but the good part about George, he would, um, <laughs> I'm only saying that to stir him if he ever hears this, but uh, every time I took a mark, because I'd rather if you take a mark in the back lines because it's just come your way, give it off and let a runner go with yep. it because yep. that's what the opposition don't want. You know, so George was always there every time. So uh, he was, um, you know, I think in the 88 grand final when we beat the Bays, I reckon I, you know, slipped it off to him, you know, three or four times because he was always there. And if uh, rather than me going back and taking my time and wondering who am I going to kick it to, he's straight there and, um, and bang, away you go and get it right back at him, if you know what I'm saying. So, of course, you were all, all Australian in 1988 as well, yeah. So and a premiership year, so great memories there, mate. Yeah. Yeah, all good. Um, you know, I, th- I just needed uh, I needed to uh, to go. I think, uh, for, you know, like a, you know, you're at my Macca for, um, for you know just being the Norwood man. You know, and thing is, I you know, because you know, I'm sure Macca's a bit the same. I haven't spoken to him for a fair while, but I, I know next time he would be exactly the same. Um, uh, I just needed to. Uh, I'd lived in the port. I uh, played for port. I worked in the port, and that's what I'm saying. I I needed to sort of uh, to try something different, and the the main reason I left. And you know, look, I, I you know, the last year I had yes, membership uh, all Australian, but I needed to go and play against the best players every week. You know, you know that was that's the only reason I left. I would have done way better financially if I stayed in Adelaide because I had a lot of contacts who were wanted to set me up in business and, you know, bottle shops and, all, yeah. you know, I had a lot of people, you know, but the thing is I, I just needed to go and play against the best players. And then, you know, like Graham Corns wrote in the paper, oh, you know, you should have gone to a better team. Well, I didn't have any choice. I got oh, drafted. Exactly. And if I waited another year, guys, I was, I was, going to the end of my tether because I was 26 when I played my first game over there. And um, every week, uh, especially in the second year, because I missed buddy eight or nine with my shoulder in the first year, but every week I was playing against uh, a bloke that I've gone, here we go. Um, there was a time there and I just said to me, Mrs. Anais, you know, and she didn't uh, – she didn't really give the stuff about footy too much, you know. She supported me, but she, you know, she wasn't really a football sort of girl. Yep. And, so, and I said to her, "Do you know, in the last six weeks, I've stood Gary Ablett senior because I, I went to the halfback flank to say to stand him. I said Broughton, Herbert Broughton. It was um, Danaher, Terry Danaher. I thought was an absolute star. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, buddy, 
Stephen Canahan, um, Stuart Lowe, you know, they just uh, and and Wayne Carey because he was playing them days, you know, and that's six weeks in a row. And you know, as I used to, used to say, you didn't need an alarm clock to wake up on a Saturday morning. You know, you just go, "Bing, here we go." You know, like. Um, but that was the reason I went away. And I know I played for, a, you know, a lowly side there for a while. Um, but you put, pick yourself against the best. And um, that was what I wanted to do. But uh, you know what? Geez, I miss Port Adelaide when I was up there. Yeah. Well, I really did because, um, you know, they're all my mates and stuff. But I just thought, oh, well, you've got an opportunity, opportunity to play against the best players in the land Absolutely. every week. And that's what, that's why I left. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, no regrets, fellas. No regrets. Absolutely. So, so between 1981 and 88, you play 150 games for, for Port Adelaide. You captain them in a, um, a premiership in 88 with uh, a bit of a star-studded lineup. I'm just looking at the team right now. Uh, you move up to Brisbane. You, you go from a traditional uh, club in Port Adelaide where it's a uh, very tight-knit, uh, everybody's sort of uh, on the same page to a uh, a new venture up into Brisbane with uh, you know not a lot of history behind it. Uh, just explain what that was like. Couldn't have been any more different. Like there's so many things I could say about that. Um, the uh, just say so that the trainers, even though there was a couple of them that um, knew their knew their football, but some trainers had no idea. You know, you know when you go to a football club. Yeah, like I'm not saying they had no idea how to train, but they had no idea about, you know, about football because yep. they had to drag these people in. And, um, you know, when you're laying on, on the couch or on the bench getting a massage and the guys will be telling you. And I had Ted McMahon at Port Adelaide. He was, he was still there in the 40s, you know. When, when he, um, Ted McMahon's a legend of Port Adelaide. He was, you know, a trainer in the 40s and he was still the trainer in the early 80s, and you, you know. So the stories those people can tell you and, you know, about the ghosts in the room and who's around you and that sort of stuff was uh, was fantastic. So totally different uh, up there. Uh, new new team. Um, uh, change rooms were ordinary. Uh, a sort of a bunch of players. Are, um, a lot of them are still friends of mine today. Uh, probably only three or four I stay in touch with, but... Uh, a lot of guys up there as well who were on there probably the last couple of years of, of football and saw an opportunity to make some reasonable sort of money and maybe didn't put in what you would have liked as a teammate. You know, and I yeah, some of names there as well, but uh, it was a very different situation. I remember going to a game in, my, in 1990 and we still had rodeos next door to... Uh, to Carrara and as rodeos and um, unbelievable um, where I'd sort of uh, get into um, get to the game and there was just fairy floss and donuts smell instead of you know pies and beer do you know what I'm saying like yeah yeah it was uh, so different you know ran out the game against Collingwood in 1990 there was 20,000 people there and I reckon we had Two and a half thousand supporters to their seventeen and a half. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a lot different. But times changed. You know, when, when we got to uh, the Gabba uh, up in Brisbane, uh, things were a little bit different. And uh, you know, then all of a sudden, 
recruiting was a bit different. We uh, we started to uh, uh, to get some players such as Chris Scotts and Craig McRae's, Nigel Lappins, this sort of thing. Where uh, uh, back in the day we were we basically had sixty on our list, and they used to drag in these kids from you know from country Melbourne. And uh, the poor buggers, there were seven of them living in a house on the Gold Coast. And um, and they were only making $7,000 a year at the time. And their rent was paid, but they were eating baked beans on toast every day. Wow. Uh, yeah. how, how times have changed. Oh, you go back and, and ask that question. These guys were getting paid nothing and expected yeah. to perform. And it was just a real, you just... You know, I was obviously in a luckier situation, um, but I didn't realise that until I asked some questions. And so, um, yeah, time to change. And so, yeah, we were called the Humphrey B. Bears. Uh, sometimes we called ourselves that. But at the end of the day, every time you go out and play, because you know you you might get a busted busted up body for playing, you've got to you got to play for your mates. You guys got to play for your mates, and um, and that's what we did. Uh, I've got some really good friends from there, from that era: Johnny Gastev, uh, Mark Zanotti, and um, David O'Keefe. Uh, there's a lot of you know some guys I admired a lot of guys. Roger Merritt, you know, they're really sad, you know, that he had a he had a stroke up there, and uh, you know, it's uh, it was uh, really disappointing. Um, but um, there's uh, a lot of good people go through. Uh, it was just the time, you know. We had Christopher's case as our boss, and yeah. we know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. So things have got to start from somewhere, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely. So as you mentioned uh, previously, you were the number one draft pick in 86, but you didn't get to play your first game until 1989. A uh, bit of a baptism of fire at St Kilda down at Moorabbin. <laughs> yeah, I remember some... Some guy sent me a text. He said, "Oh, look, I kicked ten on you." You know, I said, "Well, yeah, no, no I didn't. I didn't." That's rumour. No, he kicked six up to me to three quarter time, but um, we, they also kicked twenty four to get for the game. And he kicked nine for the game. I got moved to three quarter time, and I tried to put me somewhere else. But let me tell you, when it's coming down that many times, he kicked one hundred and thirty odd that year. Um, and I remember hearing that uh, some of the Bears. Uh, hierarchy were going, oh, you know, well, you wait till because it's very Victorian South Australian back in those days, uh, because, yeah. um, uh, as it probably still is, and I can guarantee you, look this up. Um, I heard through a couple of good trainers that they overheard some guys going, oh, yeah, wait till buddy Sil- Silvani stands in next week, you know, because um, they played Carlton the next week. And uh, wait till he stands him, and then you know we'll see who the best. You know, well, I wasn't a fullback anyway. I was in the fullbacks pummel. Uh, but Silvani got twelve goals, seven kicked on him by Lockett. And you can, yeah, and, yeah. And so, but but when I heard that about you know some of my own you know guys at the club, not my teammates, but I've just gone you know, really, you know, like okay, you know, if if the killer's going to kick twenty four. In those days, you reckon Lockett's going to kick a few? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to go through him a few times. Absolutely. Are you played under a few coaches there, uh, uh, Marty? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, you know, it was very weird. Uh, uh, Peter Knight's lovely guy. Um, 
really, really uh, hard coach in the ways of the training and stuff. You know, like um, probably compare him to to John Carl, who who got you fit, and he was more of a more of a horse trainer sort of style coach. You, you know, sometimes here you get off the field because you look good, and you'd go, "No, I want to stay on." As you now get off, and Peter Knights was um, he was pretty brutal. You know, we trained for three hours and do a lot of um, do a lot of one on one, and you'd be really knackered and have a lot of bloody cork thighs and you know, even from training. So uh, Robbie Walls is very similar, you know, um, very, very clued up coach. Uh, but Jesus, you know, like um, I think I was probably my second half of my career up there. So just trying to stay in the park at training sometimes. We had more injuries at training than we did in the game. Um, yeah, a, I think he was just trying to harden us up. But I'm thinking no, I'm hard enough at the moment. <laughs> I don't need to, you know, like go through uh, too much of training. I'd rather save it for the weekend, you know. I don't mind doing the miles, but not the uh, not the heavy clashes at training. But um, yeah, we we you know we we did, but as I said, it had to start from somewhere, um, and um, you know that's where they started from. And um, Normie Dare with yeah. a South Australian link there, West Torrens as well, mate. Yeah, uh, Normie was a good guy. Um, you know, it was. Uh, you know, best and fairest of the year that um, normally coached. Yep. Um, uh, uh, just a good guy. Like, you know, he's, um, I don't think he wanted to be the coach, to be honest. I think he was more uh, suited to an assistant coach. Um, but all those guys, you know, they were good guys. You know, all the coaches that I had there. Um, Peter Feltham was, uh, took over from. Um, yeah, Paul Feltham. Yep, yep. Sorry, Paul Feltham took over from, um, from Knightsy and. We won um, five out of seven games. He coached for seven games and won five of them. Yeah. So, uh, but he got the sack. Pretty uh, unlucky not to get the gig after that. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought so. Like, uh, yeah, but it was uh, politics and footy. Guys, you know, politics and footy, that's what that's what happens. And I knew he was going to get the sack beforehand because um, someone told me, you know, they said, what do you think of him? And I said, well, I don't really know him that well personally, but uh, we just won five out of seven games, and this was uh, this was a teammate of mine at the time who was a bit older than me, and had a bit of influence. And he said, "Yeah, well, I don't like him." So, uh, and I'm and I'm and I'm retiring in about a month. And I don't know that, but he's going to be gone before I do, <laughs> before I am. So, so I'm going, yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, that's what. Um, that's what happens. You just—I I was there for football, not for the other bullshit. Yep. So, yeah. And mate, in '99, you uh, win the um, Brisbane Club Champion. Yeah. Winning yeah. it at two different clubs. Uh, just explain how that feels. Yeah, yeah, it feels yeah, like you know, it probably feels like good, you know, when you get it, and you know, you you know, like as all of us do, we have our. Um, you know, we have our moments where we achieve a few things, and if you want to just hang on to that um, that medal for the rest of your life, and just you know, like, or move on and try and achieve something else, you know, that, that's that's the whole thing about it, really. You know, it's um, yeah, it's good, you know, and it's good to look back on, but um, yeah, it's like, oh well, you know, I've I got some bruises and, and and a bit of blood, you know, out of out of winning it, so 
Okay, thanks very much. You know, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the teammates and who supported me and stuff and sort of move on. Yep. You know, like... Um, and, and you pitted yourself against the best as well. So, you know, that's that's a feather in the cap for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't... Um, I'm not playing, you know, stuff down. It's just, uh, you know, um, stuff... You know, this is, you know... A little bit unusual. I don't sort of rave on about myself too much, and you know, I was just uh, seriously happy to to play football. Very, very a lot of gratitude to to play football in that era. Uh, you know, like just coming back and you know being in Brisbane and coming back to playing for some state sides with the, the likes of the Mike Lashes and the Gary McIntoshes and the, the Mark Nailies and the Craig Bradleys and the Stephen Kernahans and the Tony Halls and the Greg Phillipses and the Russell Johnsons, uh, you know, that was for me again, talking about state footy, you know, like don't worry about Dermy, just playing with the guys that I yeah. played with. Um, you know, we'd look at their side and you'd go, Phew, that's going to be tough to beat. And we beat them quite a few times. Well, we had a great record there for a while. Mm. Now, I did well, get yeah. a message you know, at one stage, Chris Brown from the Nord History Committee. And I am actually thanking you on behalf of the Nord History Committee. But a, a message and contact you. Now, let's go for a, you just explain it completely, your link with not only the Nord Footy Club, but actually virtually the origin of football, you know, right back to the beginning of footy in South Australia. Go, Marty. Yeah, okay. Well, Topsy Waldron. Um, well, you know, and you know, when I was younger, I heard the name, and you know, it was sort of, you know, my grandfather, who was his grandson, lived with us after his uh, wife died. My grandma lived with us in the 1970s, and um, uh, before he passed away, he lived with us for for about six or seven years. Um, so his name was Norm. His actual name at the time was Norm Wilkins because um, he changed his name and we are thinking, and at all, he is his grandson and my sister's gone through all of it. She did 15 years of the family tree, but he changed his name to Wilkins because I, don't, I think the pressure on my grandfather was um, probably a little bit over the top because I think... I think Topsy Waldron was, you know, like a, an icon figure at the time. My grandfather was born in 1902, and um, I, I'm not too sure if he was willing to um, maybe hold the mantle or because my grandfather's son, which is my uncle, he was nicknamed Topsy because of um, because of the bloodlines, you see. And, uh, and so my uncle Norm played one game for Port, and my grandfather, Norm, he played 11 for Port Adelaide. So, um, uh, so Topsy is my uh, grandfather's grandfather. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, my sister's got it all, you know, there. And if you looked at my grandfather and if you looked at Topsy, you can, you can tell, you know, we're not, we're not hanging on to anything there. It's just my, my sister, like, um, she did all the stuff. My sister spent 15 years doing a family tree, and uh, it was unbelievable. I've got a a book of my mother's side and my father's side, and it's a 
big folder of about three inches thick and she's done all this. I just could not believe it that she's given me me one and my other sister one um, to uh, pass on to our kids. So uh, my sister Patricia, Pat, she's done a massive job. But no, Topsy Waldron, um, yeah, is my great-great-grandfather. Oh, and so, he's, a, um, he's a legendary figure, you know. His record, if you look through, is, is was considered was considered in some circles the player of the colonial, best player in the colonial back then is what got called. And, yeah, he, his record is quite incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, it's uh, you know, a long time before my time. And, um, you know, it's just nice to be, nice to be uh, you know, uh, part of, you know, the old Norn history as well because um, Norn's a, a team that I always admired and respected as well. Oh, we so, think we um, should have got you under the great great grand grandfather, whatever you, know, you want to call it, rule, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I think my mum would have torn strips off me if I went that way. Yeah. Uh, mate, obviously some uh, fantastic state of origin teams as well. I'm just having a little bit of a, a look over the, uh, the the some of the teams and you know playing with the the Kernahans and the McGuinnesses and the Tony Halls and. Mate, it's just a golden era of of you know SA footy, and and to be to be part of it would have just been amazing. Yeah, no, it was, and and also you know every time you rolled up, and you know you're playing Glenelg, Glenelg, and you know I'm standing Kernahan, which I did most of the time, and you got Tony Hall, who I stood once Kernahan uh, left. Uh, uh, you know uh, you've got Tony McGuinness and Chris McDermott and. You know, they had, you know, every team had some really good footballers. And so, you know, uh, to come back and play with them all at the same time was, uh, yeah, it was just a pleasure, really. I remember going to, I'd already played a few state games. I'd gone back to, to Brisbane. And to be honest, we had, you know, we probably didn't have a really good, good full side. We probably had probably 12, 13 maybe players who were good enough to play AFL or VFL at the time, mm-hmm. but then you come back to South Australia and you play uh, train for State of Origin. The ball wouldn't touch the ground. Yeah, the ball just didn't touch the ground. And then you go, how good? How much fun's this? Where um, when you go, you know, you go back to your AFL team, and uh, you know where it was, you know, a fair bit different. So um, no, it was just a pleasure. You know, it was just a pleasure to go out. Look around the ground before the ball balls bounce, and you've got um, absolute stars on the um, on the Victorian side, and you've got absolute stars in, in your team. So you're going, okay, here we go, bounce the ball, let's see what happens, you know. And um, uh, it was good fun, you know. That's why I try to say to young kids, you know, when I was coaching them or some A grade country sides that I've coached, you know, like just what just be wanting to play against the best. You know, like that's that's the whole thing. It's just like you know, if you, oh, I'm really nervous. Oh, great, because if you're not, it means nothing to you. You know. So what do you? What have your so, footy involvements been, and or since you've uh, finished up your career, mate? Uh pretty much country stuff. Mainly when I when I retired from Brisbane, I um, I was I was cooked sort of physically and mentally. Uh, physically, my back was gone. So I had an yeah. operation on my back about um, – I only played four games in my last year. You know, I had four epidurals in my back in the last year I played just to try and keep me on the park, but that didn't really 
cut the mustard, so I had two prolapse discs, which I had operated on a couple of years after I retired. Um, so I was just away from footy. And I suppose living in Brisbane, it was pretty easy to do. You know, where it was just easy to be away. I'd probably pop out to training every now and then, seeing a couple of teammates and, you know, just bob in and bob out. And, but I just, I was sort of over it. Yep. I was over it. So um, I just, just went to work for Qantas in the cargo uh, area up there in Brisbane. And it was normal, normal, just dad. You know, I had a, you know, a couple of young kids under five years old. And, and um, yeah, just a dad and... You know, I didn't really. I remember a couple of times they got me on the radio, you know, to commentate a couple of games, and I, I think I maybe made out pretty well, but I, I wasn't much watching much football. And I was commentating Hawthorne in the when was that late eight, late nineties when they weren't that flash, and I probably didn't know half the bloody players out there, so I wasn't taking a lot of notice, you know, of footy at the time. And it was a nice break when I came back yep. to South Australia and. I started coaching the Barossa, uh, coached Newry, Newry uh, for a couple of years in the Barossa there. And um, uh, then, um, yeah, marriage split up, so I ended up coming over to Port Lincoln to uh, to follow my kids and be close to my kids. So I coached a couple of country, you know, like uh, up in the Cummins Way, team like Yelena for, for a couple of years. And had a couple of years at Boston's in Port Lincoln. And then after that, probably 10 years of juniors. You know, yep. um, just uh, the 15s and 17s and that sort of stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, so I've sort of, you know, that, and that finished about two or three years ago. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I still I do a little bit of sprint training and coordination, which I learned from Billy Noonan. I don't know if you know, yes, guys yes, know Billy. Yes. Famous yeah. person. Yep. Yeah, I used to do a lot of sprint training with Billy yeah. and um and he, he just he taught me so much in a small amount of time. So I, I used that because I was, you know, obviously never that fast, but I I became adequate through um, through Bill. And um, so I teach that to young kids, you know, when they when they need it as well. You do a one on one or a group of six or something like that. But uh, yeah, a bit low, pretty low key. You know, don't need too much to, uh, you know. Don't need much uh, headlines, you know. Luckily enough, I had a bit in my time. Had me 15 minutes of time. <laughs> mate, uh, yeah. absolutely fantastic to uh, hear from you tonight, mate. Um, we've we've covered a whole range of topics today, but, uh, mate, we could have gone on forever there. That's uh, some fantastic insight, in, not only into your career, but obviously since, uh, since uh, finishing up as well. Mate, thank you very much for your time tonight, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you at some stage. Greatly appreciate it, mate. Uh, Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks, Peter. No, it's been good. No, thanks for the, you know having me on. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Thank you, mate. Cheers, boys. We've just had Martin Leslie uh, give us a, a, a good 45 minutes of <laughs> gold, really, along the way. Um, interesting to, to, as Nord men we, that we are, uh, how intertwined Nord and Port have been over the years and, and how they got on so well, pretty much off the ground, but on the ground it was on like young and old. Yeah, but... But both clubs respecting each other. Yes. Look, it was purely by chance where the, the link with Marty came up with Topsy Waldron and that, and just, yeah, fascinating. And his career, you know, his huge respect for, you know, Phillips, Bucky Cunningham, yes. you know, Greg Phillips, Bucky Cunningham and Jack Cale comes out, 
real Port Adelaide blood through and through. We, um, we and then up at Brisbane. So, yes. Yeah, fascinating. And and we talked obviously about um, some of his state of origin. Uh, exploits, uh, you know, playing with, uh, you know, Abernathy, Francis, Jarman, Kernahan, McDermott, uh, you know, the, the names go on. Um, you could certainly tell how much state footy meant to Marty. Yes, well and true, absolutely. Know, came through. And the, uh, and the 88 premiership uh, against Glenelg, we, we touched on it briefly. Um, obviously a big year in 88 for, for Port Adelaide. Um, but you know some of the names that are on that list is uh, fantastic. And look, I, I I open it up to everybody that's listening. Go out and check these uh, teams because you'll sit there and go, wow, these the, the Halcyon days of the SNFL were were thick and fast fast People, through that area. Still, Victorians don't realise how good South Australian footy and how how deep the talent base was. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Today we uh, start off with happy birthday to Kerry O'Keith, uh, Australian leg spinner, 1971 to 77. Probably more known uh, for a commentary than his own <laughs> career, career. Yes. Oh, Skull, we're lucky enough to have him at Paynham for a couple of times. We actually won ABC Club of the Year at one stage, and the prize was Kerry O'Keefe as a sports night. So um very intelligent person thought of changing our name from the uh, Knights to the Dukes, Pete. Yes. Yes, we won't rule that who that was. Um, named after Keith Duke, uh, who was secretary for Paynham for 62 years. Paynham were the first club as their moniker, named after a family. Okay. So, yeah, oh, fantastic! A little bit of um, history there. Uh, you're right, Kerry O'Keefe. Uh, you're always listening on the radio or the TV for that little nugget that he he'll, he'll bring in each each time, and and he's just got a story that would uh, would make uh, most club nights when they have these uh, sports stars there that would make it very interesting. Ah, he's gold. This week in 1976, OJ Simpson gains 273 yards playing for Buffalo against Detroit. That's pretty much all like uh, say a Dangerfield gaining a 1,000 yards. It's pretty incredible. Of course, a famous name in lots of ways. Yeah. More known for his uh, off-field exploits. Very, very good player in his own right. But, uh, yes, some uh, indiscretions off-field. Kept it interesting for sure. Move on. Mate, we will move on. Uh, 1979, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of these guys. You may have. John Madden, Pat Semerol broadcasting the NFL. They actually broadcast their first game and then paired together for 22 years. I that, will admit your knowledge on American sport is a, a mile in front of mine. No, not days, a problem. So uh, right. These guys were the uh, the number one team uh, when it came to commentary. Uh, John Madden, obviously a player and then yeah. a coach uh, in yeah. his own right. Um, uh, very, very famous pairing. But got me thinking about famous pairings in Australian um, uh, commentary and I think the one that comes up the most is Bruce McAvaney and um, Dennis Committee. Yeah, they are probably the leading one. Look, old set, old SNFL days, Wally May, you know, can Max Hall comment Wally May, no comment, great comment, good comment, Wally. Yes. A famous around. And look, Peter Marker and Ian Day were pretty, you know, were a very strong and well-respected combination. But yeah, I think Bruce and Dennis are probably the... 
the gold standard for sure. This week in 1989, David Boone scores 200 against New Zealand at the Wacker. Yeah, Booney very, you know, remember also his record from uh, on the plane from Australia to England <laughs> on a different subject, but uh, Boone was a fantastic player. And, you know, 200 at the Wacker, I mean, that's a pretty fair event. I know it's a fast track and... And uh, those were the days, but New Zealand are no slouches, that's for sure. Yeah, he was a fair player. Uh, also, in this week in nineteen, I couldn't leave this out because uh, I had to, I had to add it in. Uh, Sachin Tendulkar scores fifty, but you know he's scored a million of them over his career. But he did it at sixteen years and two hundred and fourteen days, Malcolm. It's a record. Look, I I think he's you know I'm I'm nearly sixty. I think of purely technique. I'm not saying he's the best player, but I'm saying purely technique wise. I think Tendulkar is my number one. Yep, for sure. And fantastic at 16 years of age. Yeah. You don't see that very often these days. Uh, and very topical for the for the moment, mate. This uh, week yes. in 2014, we're going to talk about soccer or, or the world game. Lionel Messi uh, becomes the UEFA Champions League league all-time scorer. And could become the World Cup all-time scorer as well. He, so. could, he could indeed. Yeah, look, one of the all-time greats. And to finish off, uh, again on the world game, Diego Maradona passed away this week uh, from a heart attack, age 60. Uh, 91 caps for his country, 86 of them as captain. Uh, FIFA player of the 20th century. Again, you're in the GOAT category, aren't you? Hand of God, you know, that famous World Cup. Yep. Uh, One of the all-time greats and, yeah. um, Probably lost a little bit too early. Yeah, interesting life as well. Absolutely. All right, mate, let's, uh, let's scoot into the big finish. Time. Big to kick us off, we'll head back to the cricket again, but this time the uh, the one day is uh, the ODIs, uh, Hazelwood named captain. Yeah, I thought that was bizarre. Look, it was either Steve Smith is Australian vice captain at the moment. Yep. Well, either he captains um, after being vice captain, surely he's captain. So I, you know, he he has captained a test match back, so it's not like yeah, someone fresh. Wow, yeah. and all that. I just thought it was incredible. Smith, either captain. If Smith didn't captain, it had to be Kerry. Yep. I just, yeah, I thought that was weird. David Warner, obviously looking to get his uh, ban lifted. I think that's been successful. Um, maybe same thinking with Smith. Yeah. Can't put him in that position. Yeah. If, well, it, what's the point of lifting the ban if you're not going to make Smith captain? Well, why? Yeah. So correct. it's yeah. Uh, the one-day series against England was a little bit of a whitewash. Too little, too late. A little, in some respects, for the twenty twenty. I know it's a totally different format, but I think we went out there with a bit of intent to fix fix what had gone wrong uh, in the twenty twenty. But Travis had um, up the order and batting oh, brilliantly. Yeah, he certainly put his hand up. Now he's going to be, yeah. And I think it queries Finch's selection more in the twenty twenty. Yeah. So Travis now. He's got his foot in the door well and truly to be open in the you know, the World Cup, next World Cup. Yep. Um, look, I think the series, I think, was asking way too much of England three days after winning the yeah. World 2020. I don't think it's respecting no. the major championship. You know, but, you're going to have that. But that gets down to scheduling again. Yeah, ridiculous. And we, and we talked about the scheduling Crazy. a little bit earlier. You know, you've got half-field stadiums, the ODI had hardly any. I think they had a total of 47,000 yeah, across three venues. I mean, that's just not right. Not, 10, that's un-Australian. 10,000 at the G. Look, And those games didn't even count to the point system overall. So what in the hell was the reason? Yep. Uh, AFL, mate. 
Uh, Darcy Fogarty, from a Crows point of view, uh, signs uh, an extension for two years. I think that's a pretty good move. I think it's great. Like, let's be honest, the start of last year there was you know, murmurings. I, I was well and truly one of them questioning whether he was going to be good enough. Uh, he took a big, significant step last year. Yep. Hopefully that continues. I think he uh, certainly put his hand up, and I think uh, the training regime that Darren Burgess has got him on uh, seems to be working. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Fisher McCasey as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, have, we, have we pigeonholed him a little bit too harshly? I mean, I know we're a footy-centric town. Um, You've got a query... I know they've said that some other clubs had him as high as well. Yep. But, yeah, if he hadn't gone number six and it had been a selection in the 40s and 50s, yeah, and it being and look, there's obviously, you know, his father's pretty seriously ill. Yep. Uh, some other troubles as well. Yep. Hey, yeah. When your mind's not on the game, it's very hard to, to perform at your best. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport it is. If there's something going on in the background, it, it does make it hard. Look, best wishes for the kid. Absolutely, and uh, I'd like to see him back in Crows colours. Uh, just a little side note on that. Um, all all but one of the Crows players came back for day one of pre-season. Now, the one-to-year four, one-to-four-year players uh, are required to, to return. Everyone but one for the Crows. I think that's a that's yeah. a big tick for the program. Yeah, you know, we just wait and see now. Hopefully, there'll be some more progression. Yep. Yeah, I think there's still too many honest battlers on the Adelaide list. Yep. I, I couldn't believe Murph. I think it was terrible list management that Lockie Murphy had another contract. Yep. But a fair few other clubs have decided. Well, no, that was a mistake, and have gone bang. Yep. Um, yeah, I still. I'd much rather have James Rowe than Lockie Murphy. Yep. That's a personal opinion. Um, but just good to see the players all getting back. Yeah. Uh, Port only had 10 or 11 of their senior players. Eh. Wait and see. Wait and see. Yep. All right. Uh, mate, we'll stay with the AFL. Uh, look, a little bit of a pressure test. We've got four new coaches this year. Rossi Lyon, Chris Scott, Clarkson and Kingsley. Who's, who's, who's under the biggest amount of pressure? Scott, Scott's at a big club at Essendon. Ross Lyon, you know... Well, you, because you, of the circumstances. So, you know, you reappoint a coach and within 100 days decide to sack yes. him. So that, the whole yep. weirdness of that. Yep. Um, I think Clarkson's probably at North Melbourne. I think he, he'll be... And I I think Adam Kingsley at, at GWS. GWS are nearly at the... You know, well, they turned over a lot of their lists. So and, they're almost yeah, starting again. It's... Could be a nightmare to do to coach GWS with the lack of stability over the long range. So yeah, won't say. Interesting to see that the ex captain had put his name down for the preseason draft. Yeah, very very interesting yeah, I, to see that list come out and and his name was on it. So Phil Davis, I'm talking yeah, about here. Yeah, I, um, interesting to see whether he gets picked up somewhere else. Yeah, it's weird. I thought he was. To, I thought he was continuing on at GWS. And I did read that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tennis, mate. Yeah, mate. We talked with Dylan from Tennis SA a few weeks ago, and we thought yep. we'd circle back. And some uh, rounds have been played now, so wanted to have a little bit of a look at uh, some of the tables uh, in the state league women at the moment. We've got uh, Glen Lee sitting at top of the table, Athelston sitting second, Seacliff uh, uh, third, and H- Happy Valley sitting fourth for the uh, women's state league at the moment. They played uh, five or six games. 
Um, obviously, here in Adelaide over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of rain uh, delays, so there would have been some matches that would have been made up uh, possibly on a Friday night, I would assume. Moving over to the men's, Pete Garden sitting top of the table there, Seaside second, Glen Lee th- uh, third, and Tea Tree Gully sitting fourth. Dylan did explain that a few of these clubs would be around the mark, so it looks like they've got themselves off to a uh, a pretty good start to the season. You know, there's a couple of uh, teams there. There's probably only a couple of wins between um, third and about eighth at the moment. So it's tightening up a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how it progresses over the next four or five weeks. Uh, then it's into finals for them as well. It's so, yeah, it's progression, which, you know, I'm actually full credit to the veterans' cricket this week. They managed to get all games played. Yes. There was a lot of games rescheduled and... Yep. Yeah, Anthony Telfer and his band of merry men there and, and ladies, fantastic effort there. Uh, being obviously predominantly hard court, you know, they're going to find time during the week, but we haven't had too many dry days at the moment, that's for oh. sure. We'll endeavour to get somebody on from a couple of these teams over yep. the next couple of weeks, mate, for sure, and um, especially leading into finals. We move on to grade cricket. Now, I've left this in your hands because... I'm the man that does a, a little bit of research on some of these topics and some of these ladders and bits and pieces. Like, I couldn't find a damn thing on you, grade cricket at the moment. You, my cricket, which has worked previously the last few years. Look, it's gone to a different system. Um, better be careful yep. legally. Yep. Let's just say I think it's been bizarre. Okay. And if I'm just saying bizarre, I'm being very, very polite. I've uh, been getting the Sunday Mail looking for the results. There's a little blurb there that says that they can't produce those results. Uh, I thought I might have a little bit of luck online that someone might have been able to post something. So we'd love to do a cricket roundup for the uh, grade cricket, Premier League cricket, um, but we don't have anything to report at the moment, mate. Look, I will chase it up yep. because there are a couple of people who, who will know have got the gurus into it. Look, but it's just it's crazy. Yep. System. Is inefficient. It's not working. Let's be honest. Bang. But yeah, it's right. a little bit more complicated. We'll, we'll leave it there. Yes. Baseball, mate. Yeah, mate. Um, while we're sticking with the local um, ladders at the moment for the state leagues, Hanley and Grange sitting top of the table. Played seven, one six, one loss, which is a, a damn good start. Woodville sitting second, Sturt third, West Torrens fourth, and Goodwood fifth at this stage. Yeah, pretty close table. The top, uh, there's there's 13 teams. The top, let's say, nine are pretty tight um, as far as wins and losses go. Uh, once again, weather permitting, I'm assuming that there's been a few washouts over the last few Saturdays, um, so it's been a bit harder to get those games in. I'm not 100% sure as to if they do have to make those up at some stage, but I can follow that up as we yeah. as we go along. Um, but moving on from that, we're going to have a little bit of a look at the Adelaide Giants uh, local team here. It's their first home game this week. Yeah, I, I'd love to know the reason why they've played so many away. It's not like the stadium's being redone down there at West Beach. So, yeah, I, I, I can't understand quite why they've had so many series away. So far, so, yeah, yeah. It, it is an interesting one. I mean, they come up against the Melbourne Aces, so we've got the SA Vic rivalry on once again, um, starting tonight actually, 7pm, but carrying on uh, Friday and, and into Saturday as well, and then, then into Sunday. So it's a it's a pretty jam-packed schedule um, that, the, that the Adelaide Giants have at the moment, and um, yeah, we'll see how they go. Yeah, I admit I miss baseball at Nord. Yeah, I love baseball. 
I had never got the opportunity to go, but uh, it would have been fantastic. But I think I'm going to be actually heading out to a Giants game in round five, it looks like, as well. So, yeah, might be able to report firsthand while yeah. we're down there. Yeah. Might even get a few player interviews as we go along. Yeah, we might. That'd be fantastic. All right, mate, we've, we've done it once again. We've come to another episode, to the end of another episode. We promise to do better, as always. We've had fantastic guests today in Martin Leslie. Um, we've covered a, a range of topics once again. And um, just before I go, mate, who's your tip for the AFLW Grand Final? Brisbane. I think Brisbane as well. So we'll see how that one goes. Mate, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to annoy you to get it on the Foxtel on the cricket very quickly, Pete. Will do, mate. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.